Welcome to the Style Guides podcast. Um, I'm your host, Anna Debenham, and Brad Frost is, he's in Australia at the moment, so it's just me and my lovely guest, Samantha Warren. Hey, Anna, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Excellent. So could you just tell me a bit about sort of what you're doing at the moment and um, like who you're working for? Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm an independent designer, so I'm working for myself, and I currently integrate into startups teams, so um, specifically companies who have a product or an idea that they're trying to get off the ground. I'll come in and help them to figure out what, what they're trying to get at, uh, you know, using kind of a designer's mind to wrap my head around what they're going for, and then help them to build that product from the ground up. Um, so I do that in part with also I do a lot of consulting for um, other brands, agencies, and um, also venture capital firms. That sounds fantastic. So yeah. the reason I want to talk to you today is because um, you, you've you sort of built up a system called Style Tiles. And the first time I heard about this was on um, uh, Jen Simmons' podcast, The Web Ahead. And you gave such a fantastic overview of it. Um, could you just explain what style tiles are and why you think that they're great? Style tiles are a tool to help facilitate conversation around a visual look and feel. And um, because they're a tool, they can be used in lots of different ways. And one of the most marvelous things about watching style tiles catch on is seeing how people use them differently. But the way I got started using them was to work with brands who had maybe an official style guide, um, maybe a print style guide, or maybe an older style guide that they've been using for a long time, and figuring out how that applied to the web for them. Mm. So taking the translation of their style and figuring out, you know, how does that translate to buttons and colors and stuff? And in that general process, a lot of it was also exploring the, the vast reaches of what that brand could be. Uh, you know, maybe extending it or what it might be if we scaled it back. And so style tiles was a way to facilitate a conversation around options without necessarily designing a picture of what their website would look like. Mm. And and over time, that really uh, that really began to evolve into also helping to facilitate a conversation around what their brand would look like across many devices um, because there are so many devices in use now today. You know, we're not just designing for 960 pixels anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it gave a frame of reference for a client or a person in charge of a brand to understand how that brand may look across all of those devices without getting hung up on the specifics of that device. Because you're not, I guess you're not restricted to a canvas size. You're just kind of, it can be as big or as small as, as you want it to be. Exactly. Yeah. And Sounds so it, great. Yeah, it's been really helpful, especially with uh, just trying to involve clients. I mean, a large part of it is also the exploration and conversation that happens around it and listening and making people feel as if they're part of the process. I mean, it's not just feeling as part of the process. Clients and designers work together uh, and they become a team. They become a unit. 
And this really kind of bridges that gap that sometimes happens where it's Mm. like, I am the consultant and I will tell you what to do. It's more about really digging into this vast knowledge base that the client has and making them a part of the project. So I think that's a piece of what South House does for me that's very special, which is taking what the client knows about their product or their brand and figuring out what that translates into as far as a visual and being able to sort of use them as kind of flashcards almost to mm. to, to narrow down where it is that they want to take their brand for for the digital realm. So how long does it take you to just do, say, just one style tile? So it usually depends. Um, I think with everything and design, it usually depends. But I tend to try and time box four hours per style tile. That's kind of like my given, uh, that's my benchmark. Now, if I have a client who wants me to be really, uh, really prolific and perhaps explore more than what normally I would do, I would maybe... Uh, extend that to six hours. And then I've also had clients who have very small budgets who can't afford that kind of time. So I'll a lot of times time box it. And, you know, I just say, and this is what I can do in an hour. And um, that a lot of times works too, because it's less about being specific and more about being um, more about beginning a journey and taking Mm. the first step. Because I guess what you don't want to do is spend ages on a design, present it to the client, and they say that is totally not what we had in mind. You know, it, it's it's much better to show them a range of style tiles so that they can immediately say, that's us. Exactly. And sometimes uh, I never specifically go into a project saying you're going to get exactly X amount of style tiles because I've had situations where um, a client usually, you know, they have a lot of different inputs that they have mm. given me, a lot of different attributes. And so maybe I would find that maybe three or four even style tiles may be uh, good for them. And then I've had clients who've come to me and they very specifically are giving me, you know, maybe one or two, uh, like a range of one or two attributes that uh, is more specific. Like they mu- they know what they're looking for, and they've already kind of narrowed things down themselves. So yeah. in that situation, I might I might actually do like one or two. Mm. So on all your style tiles, you've got these um, uh, these words that like they kind of invoke the the style itself. So you've got say on one, I'm just looking at the one you've done for the examiner, mm-hmm. um, and you've got on one style you've got sort of current stimulating comprehensive and smart and that the design kind of mirrors those words and then on the next one you've got authoritative solid insightful conservative and that's using kind of like a um a serif font and and much bolder colors mm-hmm. um and i really like how you've done that is that is that something that you've done right from the start or mm-hmm. is it something that you've kind of started to kind of blend into your style tiles that is in my opinion, actually the most important part, uh, mm-hmm. because that's the piece of the puzzle that involves the client and the, the brand. You know, every brand has attributes. They have descriptors and, um, those are, they may be verbal. They may be visual, but a lot of times when someone, uh, is coming to me, um, a company or an organization, they have an idea in their head of what they're looking for. 
Mm. And they're trying to describe it. They're not necessarily a visual person. They may not be able to visualize what that thing is. And that's why they're coming to me. So they use words, they use language to describe it. And at that point, I need to kind of take a step back and try and figure out what it is that they're trying to describe. And so Mm. style tiles to some degree is that it's figuring out what the brand attributes look like. And so there's no right or wrong answers. But what I tend to do here is I draw on uh, my background in art and my background in design history. And I do a lot of research around culture. And a lot of times that's what helps me translate those words into visuals. Mm. Um, And that's just me personally. So you could do this process however you the designer want. But as um, when I come to the table with this, I'm looking at the context of that brand. So for example, the examiner is a very old publication and they wanted to stay within their traditional roots mm-hmm. while uh, taking a new uh, a step forward in, in this century, kind of really bringing it up to date. And so I wanted to kind of combine those two things. So I did a lot of research around where their brand had been, what what type of typography was used in their original newspapers, for example, uh, what type of what typefaces were used for publications during um, the time period when they first came out, and then thought about you know what I actually a lot of times turn to type as the first thing I investigate, mostly because type has such a a really rich history. Yeah. And I can go and see, uh, for example, um, there are a lot of typographers who draw on history as well. So I can begin to read up on different typefaces and see, okay, they were actually thinking about the same type time period when they drew this font. uh, And it falls in the same time period of when my client wants to kind of look back on their history. And, you know, this is a modern take on that font. So it's kind of, I try and find alignment in that way. But those words don't necessarily have to be steeped in history or culture. They could just be also a way to connect with the emotion that the client or the brand has. I've, for example, had a client, when I, when I get those words, I actually, the words come from questions that I ask. Mm. And um, I try to get really abstract in the questions because anyone who runs a business or manages a brand, they can get stuck in their ways. And so I try to get them thinking outside the box a bit. And so, for example, I had this one client who uh, he wasn't able to really articulate a lot of his brand attributes using the traditional methods that I had done in the past. So he, he really didn't know how to articulate what his brand felt like. And a, a part of the style house for me is figuring out the soul of this brand. You know, mm. what, what, what is it at the, the core that makes this a unique, unique brand, a unique organization, a unique company, whatever it is I'm designing for. And so for him, he had a very difficult time with this. And that's fine. You know, that's part of my job as a designer to try and dish that stuff out. Uh, so I actually asked him, one of my questions that I ask is if your brand was had a celebrity spokesperson. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then I give him examples like, uh, you know, um, Priceline has William Shatner. 
<laughs> uh, so if you if your brand had a celebrity spokesperson, who would it be and why? And he immediately said Jennifer Garner. Wow. And I thought to myself, this was actually for a survey platform. <laughs> so this product was, you know, a very utilitarian product, but he felt this uh, connection with Jennifer Garner, kind of this feeling that she um, had this versatility within her work um, and her range of acting abilities. And so I, I actually, I wasn't as familiar with Jennifer Garner as I am now. And I went online and I did quite a bit of research into the types of roles that she'd played and try to get a sense for what he was getting at. And I pulled up a lot of photos of her and I found this really, she's got a very classic style, fashion style, mm -hmm. but uh, she will wear very contemporary uh, blocked out colors, but she would will accessorize a lot of times with bright colors. So I found this really bright yellow and green purse she had been wearing. And so I took those colors as inspiration and I brought them to the style tile and I actually put a picture of her wearing the purse in the style tile. <laughs> and I kind of, I explained to him, you know, this is why I chose this, these colors. You know, I, I see that Jennifer Garner is a very versatile uh, contemporary actress. And uh, I feel like that's also where you're trying to go with your brand. What do you, how do you feel about this color palette? And this, this, um, really opened the client up quite a bit to it just kind of struck his creative nerve all of a sudden he understood where I was going right um, and we could have a conversation and um, we were able to get a little bit more creative and touchy-feely and uh, yeah he loved it and he loved it mostly because he felt like he was also contributing it was allowing him to be creative as well mm. and that can be really powerful when you're trying to convince a client of a design. It's something that reminds me. Um, so we talked to Dan Moore recently, and he he builds uh, element collages, which are kind of a step further on from style tiles. And something he said is that every deliverable from now on has to come with a conversation, and that's what I really like about style tiles. On their own, you know, they're they're one thing, but they really need to have a conversation that comes with them. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you find that? I mean, do you? Um, how do you present these to a client? Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I started using style tiles, style tiles were an evolution of my process over a period of time. Um, I've been working with clients uh, for a while before I started using style tiles in particular with the name style tiles. Mm -hmm. I mean, you I, mentioned having kind of an art background. Did it, was it kind of a, an extension from mood boards? Yes, actually. So that's exactly where it came from. So I had been working quite a bit with mood boards as a, uh, an option because uh, it was clear uh, very early on when I began doing client services that you can't, if you begin your conversation with mock-ups, um, you're investing a lot of time up front and yeah, kind and of... Yeah, making a lot of assumptions. Making a lot of assumptions, but also I feel like it's almost wasting your client's money mm. to some degree. They're paying you and you're basically saying, I'm going to do throwaway work. This work and time will be thrown away and you're not going to get anything out of it. So to some degree, it was kind of stepping back and figuring out how to be more efficient with the client's time and money. Yeah. And um, that seems to resonate. <laughs> that tends to resonate <laughs> with clients when you tell them that. 
And so mood boards was a first step. Um, and I was introduced to mood boards originally by a woman named Jana Wallace, and she is the queen of mood boards. She um, has amazing uh, mood boards that she originally started doing with, uh, she was working at AOL at the time. Hmm. And uh, as a way to bring more personality to their products. And so uh, working with mood boards was great. However, it did not work for every client. And the feedback that I was getting with the PMs that I was working with was that mood boards a lot of times, A, a client may say, uh, may have already been to a brand agency. So I was working specifically at an agency that did web design. Mm. So, you know, if they've already invested X amount of dollars in a brand agency doing a mood board exploration for you, for them, uh, to say, hey, we're going to do that again, by the way, (laughs) everything they did doesn't count anymore. That doesn't tend to go over too well. And then the second reason was really, um, they, a lot of, a lot of clients were having a hard time understanding the connection between that exercise and the, the vagueness of a mood board and what it would mean for their website. And so style tiles, there's a couple steps in between there. I also did this thing I called simple comps for a while too, which was basically just like the header and top of your site. Hmm. Um, so like just kind of trying to do like a very quick, uh, sketch of what the site would look like, but that even too was a little bit too much investment. And so style tiles was a way to begin to actually show the direct connection. A lot of clients really liked the name style tiles because uh, it resonated with cascading style sheets, right? So they were beginning to already see, okay, this is what's going to influence the cascading style sheet that you are going to eventually build for me. Um, because a lot of the clients coming to us were uh, coming to us because they knew that we were going to build them a website. Um, and so that was sort of the evolution that style tiles came out of. But a lot of it also had to do with, I mean, I had gone to, the story goes that I went to, my husband has a cousin who is an interior designer in Alexandria, Virginia, and she had an open house and we went to her open house and it looked very much like a web design studio, but she had this room uh, that she made what is essentially a style tile for interior design. She explained that she had her background in architecture and so the entire, the entire beautiful studio was covered in these big, you know, really impressive architectural drawings. But then she had this room dedicated to the style of the interior design. And she explained to us how, you know, when it comes to the architectural drawings, you're talking about functionality and usability and all of the things we talk about with web design. It's all of the things that require constraints and when, you know, her and her team worked through those architectural drawings, but when it was time for style, because it was so subjective, um, she wanted to bring her clients in because they have to live with these things. You know, it has to be something that resonates with them and how they're going to use or live in the space. And Mm -hmm. so she talked about how she had these, you know, trays, basically, that she would take paint chips and carpet samples and tiles and wow. she would kind of assemble these uh, these trays for her clients and kind of walk through them. And again, it wasn't like they were just willy-nilly picking, you know, I want this color and that piece of carpet. But she had sort of gone through a process of research to figure out 
that client's taste and how it would work with the architectural decisions they had made up until that point. And so um, I saw a direct connection immediately with what mm. she was doing there. Um, you know, web design is still in its infancy. It's it's a really interesting practice. It's not quite it's not quite advertising. It's not quite print design. There's it it falls so far outside of the realm of these things. But many of us are coming from the background of more two dimensional design, where uh, architecture and interior design has a really interesting parallel. And some may say it's a bit cliche, but anything really where you're using it but also enjoying it. Mm. Um, I think has a closer relationship to the web than, you know, possibly a, a print magazine layout. Absolutely. So do you use these for every client? Well, uh, no, everything is, it depends. Uh, yeah. However, I have been really fortunate that a lot of my clients now come to me because they want to use style tiles. Mm. Um, the, the interesting thing for me has been how style tiles uh, fall into different scenarios. Um, so it's interesting because a lot of people immediately think that style tiles are for uh, websites, but I, I use them for everything now. Um, and it's less about uh, because I think they work for everything. It's because I've developed a process that helps me to organize chaos really well Mm. within style tiles. And so, for example, the product that I've been working on most recently, uh, it's an early stage startup uh, video conferencing um, in the education space. And so uh, we actually did style tiles, but it wasn't until mid project uh, where we did a full exploration. The, the project's name is One Room. And we did a full exploration. We did all of the user experience work. Uh, and I even built in this situation more polished wireframes that could almost be interpreted as mock-ups. We needed something that looked a little bit more substantial than wireframes because we needed a lot of buy-in from uh, investors and potential users before we got to the stage where we were ready to develop a brand. And so I did essentially an entire exploration just around the product's usefulness and like how it would be applied to people's lives and then and it's funny because my clients were like well we think it looks beautiful the way it is <laughs> and I was like well let's talk about how it might be different and so style tiles opened up this really great avenue for us to explore what would be unique about the product so we'd kind of talked about how it was useful up until then and how it fit into people's lives and why users need it. And then all of a sudden we got into this discussion about, you know, what makes it different, what makes it um, stand out. And uh, it became a process of then going back and taking what we did in the style tiles exploration and reapplying it. So it, it's funny because it does not necessarily work for every client, mm -hmm. uh, but I find that, again, it's like a tool. You know, it's a very simple tool that has lots of applications and you can use it very differently. And depending on you as a designer and how you work, uh, it, may, it may be applicable more often than you think, depending on how you decide to use it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been working on a project that uses a uh, style tile and it's been fantastic because that kind of, 
that design up front, it's not a kind of finished thing, but the UX design can be going on after that's been done. And I can be building stuff and just kind of getting ideas from that style tile. So maybe the background color, things like that. And then the designer can come in and make changes to the design in the browser. So it's kind of, it's it's a really nice thing to start with up front before any of the sort of UX has, has started. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle for me is that it's less about creating something that's permanent and more mm. about creating a conversation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's I think with style tiles they're very different to um other forms of style guide because they are just a kind of starting point. They're just something that that gets people talking, that gets people involved in in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most interesting things is again because you could use it in so many ways um a place where I think that it's really strong is actually after someone does have a style guide in exploring what the evolution of maybe a sub-brand may be as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of, I actually did a project where I did quite a bit of that recently where, um, you know, if you think about big brands and let's talk about like, let's say Nike, for example. Nike has a really strong brand. Everyone recognizes it when they see it. However, if you dig into the specifics of what that brand means, there's a lot of variation. You know, every mm-hmm. every sub-brand of Nike has different, um, a bit of a different look and feel, but you know it's Nike when you see it. And so I feel like where style tiles can also be really strong is figuring out where a brand changes and how it changes and when it needs to change too. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. How how have um how have how you build style tiles changed over the past few years? Um, like say from when you were talking to Jen Simmons on the web ahead, like what's what's changed since then? Well, I think for me, uh, I think the elements that I use within the tile itself, uh, they are constantly evolving and changing. And again, depending on what kind of, I used to design mostly sites, uh, like content heavy, large dynamic text CMS websites, uh, whereas now I'm doing a lot more product work. And so the types of elements that I use within the tiles um, have, has evolved quite a bit. Uh, I tend to, I tend to like to, um, and in these situations, I'm also a lot of times also doing the user experience work as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times while I'm doing that user experience work, I'm thinking through what elements would be best to showcase in the tiles. And that actually is really helpful uh, because I can begin to think about interface elements as having having very specific brand attributes. Mm. So for example, uh one of the attributes of One Room is that it's it, it's a very open feeling environment, and we've really grasped this idea of like the circle. And it's a very simple it's a very simple brand attribute, but the circle can then begin to play into how we approach interface elements like buttons or rollover states or even the video itself. Um, and so I can begin to think about those things and exhibit them in the style tiles. Uh, which I find to be a pretty interesting uh, change because before when I was working on the same type of site pretty regularly, uh, 
there's patterns you see emerge. Like you kind of know there's going to be a search box. You know there's going to be, you know, maybe a tagging system or comments. Mm. Um, but now thinking really beyond uh, those elements. And so to some degree, you know, it's interesting because element collages and style tiles are, are some, there's a very vague line between the two of them. Um, it's less about picking specific, uh, specific elements and more about just creating a style within the things that feel the most applicable to that situation. Mm. So you mentioned about um, getting inspiration from celebrities. Mm-hmm. Uh, where else do you get your uh, ideas from? Do you ever sort of bring in illustrators, get them to do a quick doodle or something, or or maybe go to stock photos, that sort of thing? Yeah, so this is actually something I've been thinking quite a lot about um, because, you know, with the rise of responsive web design, there was, I guess, was it months ago or a year ago? I have a hard time keeping up, but a lot of people were complaining. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> a lot of people were complaining that responsive web design is making the web all look the same. Mm. And um, so this this got me thinking quite a bit about, you know, why why is that? Because I, I really don't think it's responsive web design or style guides that create a cohesive look. I think it's more about um, this idea of inspiration and where people are uh, going for inspiration and their exposure to things. So I kind of, the word inspiration is kind of strange to me Mm. because inspiration is something I don't necessarily get from looking at like a CSS gallery. It might be something (laughs) I get from talking to somebody. I think where I tend to get my influence for where a style comes from or where the soul of a brand comes from is more in the exposure that I have to a very, a wide variety of things within design and art and uh, really just in uh, fine arts in general. Mm. One of the interesting things I've been doing a lot of thought around is uh, I went to a school for graphic design. And in that, when you get a graphic design degree, you're actually required to take all sorts of fine art courses that are pretty far removed from graphic design itself. So I took metal jewelry and fabric pattern design and photography. And it wasn't necessarily about becoming great at those things. It was more about being exposed to them so that I can then have that exposure for when I'm thinking through the implementation of a design. Mm. And so uh, what what I've been thinking a lot about is how as designers, we've become more and more specialized in user experience and specifically like human computer interaction and what it's like to sit at this screen. And while, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you should get out and take a walk. I think it also is a little bit further beyond that. It's kind of about taking an interest and appreciation and curiosity in all sorts of different cultural aspects of things. Yeah. It's not just looking on the screen for them. Exactly. And it's about also like history, for example. So I tend to look a lot at cultural history for my I guess, so-called inspiration, Um, thinking whether it's inspiration within the specific world that that client or product is in, or perhaps is drawing uh, within a specific time period. Um, I I tend to, to, to go to history quite a bit because people don't necessarily realize it, but psychologically, they're having these experiences over a period of time that they begin to file away in their head and make associations with. 
And those associations are really powerful. Uh, and so when they see the same typeface used and associated with a specific genre, they begin to think of that genre within that typeface. Like the two things kind of psychologically begin to work together. And so while we don't want to necessarily perpetuate those trends, it's smart to be able to, to know when to reference them or not. Yes. Yeah. So I do a lot of history, for example. I love to go to the museum, for example. Um, <laughs> I love furniture design. Um, do you I'm, have a scrapbook? I, um, well, I used to have, I actually have quite all of my scrapbooks, especially from college, which my father so nicely boxed up and sent to me a few weeks ago. <laughs> Take these back. <laughs> yes, he's like, it's time for you to have them, which is actually great because it was a, a nice walk down memory lane. Um, but I, I am a bit of um, a collector of books. I have a lot of books that are, it's funny because a lot of them are design related, but a lot of them also are art history books. Um, I have this book I recently got that I'm absolutely in love with, which is um, the Mid-Century Modern Complete, which is all types of design that was done within the mid-century period. So everything from ceramics to fabric design to graphic mm -hmm. design. Um, so history is a big piece of it and culture is a lar large part of it. But I tend to try and just think about things uh, from a different perspective and not to jump in specifically. It's, it's hard because uh, there is, I think, an importance in trends because clients do to some degree. They hook onto trends. But yeah. when, when you can actually dissect a trend and explain to them where its origin was, that can be pretty powerful. Uh, and impressive too. Like, you know, once I've actually had clients where they've asked me um, specifically, you know, it's funny, he held up a bag, I think it was like potato chips. <laughs> and he was like, well, tell me why this bag of potato chips looks any different than any other bag of potato chips. It was really kind of an interesting, I think he was sort of testing me. <laughs> and I immediately, you know, I didn't necessarily recognize the typeface that was there, but I could tell that it was like a, a modern typeface. Um, and I, I knew the origins of the type family. And so I could begin to kind of talk through other uh, scenarios where that was also used and how um, it's specifically used a lot in fashion. Uh, and it has been for a long time because it adds a lot of contrast. And I think I think that's a big piece of it is that, you know, clients. Design seems to be magical to a lot of people like there's this kind of magic that goes on that um, is not true. That's the thing. It's There's no magic in design. That's a horrible misnomer. There's a lot of things that contribute to it. They just may, uh, they may be pretty unclear if you don't necessarily know all of the, like what it is and you haven't dissected it. And so that's kind of what style tiles is for me is this ability to dissect like this bigger concept because concepts can be really mushy. Um, and begin to actually dissect it one little tiny piece at a time um, and and deconstruct it and explain each of those smaller parts so that when the client and you talk about the bigger the bigger picture, they can understand how you got there. That's fantastic. 
I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, but it's been really great talking to you and, and I love style tiles. I love working with them. I, I'm so happy when I get a project where they're like, oh, we've done a style tile. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so thank you for all the work that you've done on them and talking about them. It's, it's really great. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yay.